You can appreciate. No, no, no. Please don't. Oh, come on. You can appreciate. Really? The, the gravity, gravity, gravity of the situation. The situation. Yeah. I couldn't help it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, okay, we can stop. <laughs> Welcome to the Whovine Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I might be Jeremy? Wait a second. Who are you? I think I'm Jeremy. And Colin's coming at you. But my and arms to... are too long, though, so I don't know. <laughs> they do look a bit long. Tonight we are going to be discussing Wild Blue Yonder. So wild. Now, so blue. What Jeremy yonder? the Elder, I uh, hear that you had something to say about the physics of the situation. So the thing that is really interesting about the concept of being at the edge of the universe is the way in which the universe expands. So if you're beyond that point, um, for one, time really doesn't exist here. Where they are right now, time does not in the way in which we perceive it exists. Well, I think that they were saying that it's... Well, they're, they're on the edge. They're, 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 they're right the, before the time. Well, the yeah, they're, they're but, not, even, but even then, in between all space, time changes. Actually, time is not a consistent thing. So this, at this yeah, point... Yeah, like each, each part of space is expanding. Yeah, each part of space is expanding, but at the very edge, it's expanding the fastest. So what that means... One of the things that Dr. Brad was at, how light is still trying to reach there, I think if I remember correctly, the way in which... Uh, the expansion in the universe works, the light can never catch up to how fast it's expanding. Right. I thought that was... I, I thought I was misunderstanding, like, what he was trying to say there. I think... But, they, I, I mean, if it was... That just seems like a mistake. It sounded like they were just trying... The, the, that felt like, to me, a writing blunder or a writing concept. I was trying to find a way to explain it. But didn't, maybe it was also the doctors trying to explain it in a way that Donna would understand. But yeah, I, I thought he was just trying to get like the how like the distance, just try and you know give the whole gravity or mavity of the situation <laughs> for like how far away they possibly can be yeah. from home. So yeah, that was just the the one element I kind of was hoping to uh, that I was like, oh, I wanted to put a scientific notation at the bottom. This was this may have not this could have been more detailed. Well, let's go back to the beginning of the story and start with Sir Isaac Newton. Well, okay, he wasn't Sir yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, that was kind of a cute little intro to this episode. Mm-hmm. Just crashing the TARDIS right into a tree. Which yeah, I, I, don't I think, think it was seen. definitely like to like uh, just kick us off our, our balance a little bit to think what this episode is about to be <laughs> yeah. about and where we're going to be. But I think it also set up something, and it is, that's one of the things I want to say, is that this was where we get really cool concepts coming back. The whole idea of setting 
little uh, nuggets, little uh, tidbits for you to think about. As they were talking about gravity, and later on, it became mavity. Yep. And, like and like the doctor seemed to know, but Donna didn't. Yeah. Well, he views time differently. He sort that's, of sees all the inconsistencies. Right. Yeah, and that's what I thought was... Uh, well, and it, at first he didn't, he didn't catch it. He caught it at the end. He's like, wait, gravity. No, you meant mad. So he started to realize, and I think that might have also happened because the TARDIS wasn't there. So as where he's always speaking in English, at that point, it was so far away or so disconnected that it wasn't translating him saying gravity to mavity. I've also I'm also wondering if there's if this is like a little precursor to some of the craziness that's to come because yep. it it very well could be some the, there's mm-hmm. lots of little changes and hiccups in the Doctor Who universe already so I'm wondering if there's more to these hiccups than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be a very uh, convenient plot eraser. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Fixer upper, but yeah. I mean, so just kind of talking generally about this episode, I yep. felt like there were some great, you know, character mm-hmm. development moments that mm-hmm. were very poignant. But, you know, largely it was a monster of the week running around a spaceship mm-hmm. type of mundane things. episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. the not things that were definitely things. Right, because they had mass. And I I mean I did I did mass, really, so. really like the uh um, concept of it getting colder when, you know, because they were taking over the... But why didn't it get warmer when they shrank? I... Maybe I, I, that, uh, maybe, well, because it would just replace all the cold that they took. Right. So, right. No, Good it, point. What, what I think was happening was more of them having to play with, with what they already had made. Um, more so, like, it wasn't getting colder because of the restructuring. It was getting colder whenever they were, like, teleporting and pulling in new mass. Uh, is how I viewed it. Um, yeah, but, like, there was that time where they were, like, so big they were filling out the hallway. And then, like, next thing the doctor's like, oh, it's gotten cold again. And then, like, they show up and are all, you know, mm-hmm. normal-sized again. So they just got smaller. And then he's like, oh, it's cold. Yeah, to, to be fair, you know, if you really want to play devil's advocate, who knows how hollow those big things were? You know, mm-hmm. are they just, like, balloons at the time? Or are we just seeing, like... The surface area, that's fair. Like, all that, hollowed that's out, and then, yeah. and then like the mind gets more and more intricate. Maybe they just have like a few circuits that are that are working, you know, pretty well. But mm. they could also be sort of like, uh, and it was sort of alluded to this sort of higher dimensional or from a different dimension entirely. Dimensional travelers of sorts, like the boneless in the twelfth Doctor era, how they were tr- coming to grasp the. The reality of the third dimension. And so I, I don't know if they were necessarily from a higher dimension or from just, like, the second dimension. Th- those ones were from the second dimension. Mm-hmm. This one could be from, like, the fourth dimension because it doesn't necessarily understand object permanence and, like... And I liked that. I and, thought that that was really well done. Yeah, no, that was some of the fair things I had about this. The idea that there is something beyond the edge of the universe, which doesn't exist because it doesn't understand existence, but once it's it's given the concept of existence, it starts to form it. Yeah. And I thought that was a great thing. It reminds me of... It really gave me a concept of something that can exist again. Like, they definitely <clears throat> set the, the foundation that they can bring this monster back. 
Yeah, it also it, it feels like it alludes to, you know, kind of what's uh, a little bit going on in Listen, too. Like, mm. there is, you know, just other things out there. You know, mm. there is consciousness. And almost, like, feeding into the idea that, like, maybe it, the, with the mysteriousness of consciousness, like, that's a fundamental building block of the universe. There's webs of consciousness and everything. You know, it's and hard right. to say rocks aren't conscious, you know. I would have to say about this episode, and going back to a generalization, um, I think... There was a very, well, first of all, Russell T. Davies made a mistake, and he's even admitted to it. He didn't give us hardly anything about this episode. He didn't want to give a plot points. He didn't want to give us what the story was about. He's put almost no media coverage on this episode. So a lot of people out there were expecting doctors to come back, companions to come back, all these kind of things going on. Give me a reference. Exactly. And... Um, it didn't happen. So for a lot of people, this that part of it like was a letdown. But, and to be fair, this did feel like a middle of a season kind of episode. Oh my God. It literally is. What a wild world that we live in when someone making a decision to not spill the beans about the entertainment they're about to produce to everyone is like something that makes people get really excited about it. And it's like, oh my God, I can't wait to see what happens. Like, my God, that's nuts. That used to be the norm. We used to only hear things about things before they happened when they were trying to hype us up. Mm -hmm. Like... Sorry, I, that was just a... I, I, or not, I, I, the, the, the reality of uh, people, like, the, let's just get a moment here to talk about some of the, the fans, who I would say aren't really as much fans as they think they are of Doctor Who, who can't understand, like, all these choices being made, they're just, like, angry all the time, and then now they're like, well, why didn't we know anything about this? I was ready for this. No one told you that they were going to bring these people back. That's all on you. It was you hyped yourself up. Yeah, it goes into saying like you can find a, a theory that like anything is about to happen. Yeah. Too, if you're looking at it for long enough, or if you have nothing, if you're staring into the void, mm-hmm. there there may <laughs> just be consciousness there uh-huh. bubbling up in some new form mm-hmm. that may not be exactly as it seems. Another generalized concept in this uh, particular story that I thought was essential to bring back to Doctor Who and was missing almost completely from Jodie Whittaker's time as the Doctor was the fear factor. Mm-hmm. We had a lot... We First of all, Murray Gold's score brings back a lot of that, oh my God, on the edge of insanity kind of music, which really kind of... It kind of sucks you in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you have some great sequences where you've got the... The Doctor and Donna are, are separated, yet they're right back together with what seems to be themselves. But then it's like, wait a minute. And you notice that, okay, things aren't quite as they seem for a while there. And it just this horror element that kind of plays through the whole story. I mean, the, the Doctor starts talking about uh, how he enjoys Wilf, and then the food concept comes up. And, he's th- and so you're thinking, oh, well, are we going to be... Are these two going to be eaten by these things? Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. They're just they're still kind of forming and forming their opinions as to what's going to happen. So it's just kind of it's kind of this cool concept where you've got these two creatures that are trying to become part of our universe by taking over to two other individuals that are already part of this universe. It, it has a lot of, like, very strong midnight vibes. Mm-hmm. Very strong midnight vibes. Yeah, I, I mean, like, they, they lay out why they're trying to scare them, why it would be fearful. 
mm-hmm. um, that way. You know, they're they're getting blood pumping. They're getting thoughts to be you know faster to kind of mirror them. But the doctor's the same thoughts, way, especially. Don't, don't you feel like another strategy might be you know even stronger and trying to befriend, especially like maybe it depends on the individual. But these, you know, if you went. But from a point of peace and, you know, just trying to learn and, and be about them, mm-hmm. not raise these suspicions or a- antagonisms, you know, you, you'd think it'd be a lot easier to spread, to, to learn, to fully form. But we also know that these creatures... And, and why necessarily be in competition? But well, these creatures are born out of war and out of violence well, and out of that realm of things because of the consciousness of other beings in our universe well let's talk about speed for a moment because the doctor was like let's you know just clear our minds and meditate here and try to think really slowly and like that you know starship cabin also did a similar thing like so they were actually able to like think complete thoughts just slowly and trick these things she said this time were to take years to count down mm. like she could have said it to be so much faster and it would have worked like the hell I I think I I I was thinking that's one of the the weaker threads there on why the timer took three years to work through. But if, I my guess is that it would take that long for the ship to restructure itself as into being an explosive device. Maybe, oh, okay. like he had to remember this is a a restructuring ship that has to do all the stuff. We saw it like rippling a bit, but how many ripples have happened since that point? That's fair. Um, that's my that was my 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 own, now again. This is one of the scenes where as watchers of Doctor Who, you have to find answers or... Because Doctor Who's not going to answer everything for you. Um, that's what my solution for that element was. That's a very good solution. And, and it's but, good that we have creativity in ourselves to come up with such solutions. Right. Now, the, um, the to the part of why they picked war, like, as you said, it was an element that they had kind of pulled from... I, I felt this part weird in the story because they're so far from the universe, they can't really perceive our universe. They know it kind of exists, but it's out there. So I was wondering if they if it was supposed to be written that the when the people f- went through the black hole, the captain came to the black hole, if that was on... For, if they were running away from a war or something, that's where they got the idea. Mm-hmm. Like... That's kind of where I was kind of running with it because well, the, they I, specifically say the things that made us made us. Yeah. So it's that kind of line suggests that wherever they came from did have something going on that would evoke violence. Well, also they said that our universe was noisy, which would imply that sound can travel through whatever their existence. Is. That's, that's true. A, that, that's a, that's a an analogy of of noise. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's possible that they can pick up different sound waves from all sorts of planets and, and mm-hmm. solar systems. Yeah, it could just be like the scattering of information, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah so, especially now that we have less universe, there's yeah, a lot more that there, there's a lot more space for them to find it. Yeah, they have our <laughs> lexicon and understanding to some degree. So back to the the whole, they they sort of um, turned out to be evil pretty quickly. They sort of. Uh, as soon as they realized sort of were set up to be these evil things sort of intimidating it would have been just as interesting if if not more interesting if they sort of started out first just trying to more uh, imitate the appearance of the doctor and they, they all four of them sort of figure out everything and then very slowly they, they turn sinister in like certain moments and then it, it eventually flips over but I think it did happen pretty quickly. It's the realization. 
chasing down the corridors, getting them to be scared when, you know, you could have had them thinking probably more if they were having a conversation with each other. So, how did everyone like the introduction, though? Like, to the first one walking in, I think it was the doctor. I liked it. I loved it. Like, at first, sitting down, you're just like, oh, that was... At first, you're just wondering, that's kind of quick. But then there's something about it gave you only a second to be like, wait, that seems odd. And then you get the immediate answer that the doctor's still in the other room. Well, yeah. I like I like the parallel between Donna and the Doctor. They're explaining <clears throat> to these alien creatures what could happen, mm-hmm. and they're both doing it, mm-hmm. and they're both doing it separately, which is an amazing parallel and a great storytelling. And I was kind of intrigued by what how the Doctor was thinking. Gee, what does the TARDIS do when it goes off by itself? That was a cool concept. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I also really liked, you know. The doctor had a real emotional moment here because he's been, you know, hurt recently, which I liked the way that, you know, they addressed it, um, or the fact that they addressed it in here. And then, like, you know, and he's, like, really just wants someone, a friend, to come and to understand and be like, Doctor, I understand what you're going through. That really sucks, man. And because the alien, like, pretended to give him that and then took it away, he just, like you know, totally freaks out and just starts hitting the wall and stuff. And I just thought, wow, that is powerful. And because he's the doctor, he could never admit to someone that that's what he needs. <laughs> oh, it, it was, was so such different. a powerful, it was such a powerful thing. And, and it was kind of an interesting concept because before that, the doctor's always the one who gets the one up on the aliens. Yeah. But in this scenario, it was Donna who had the moment of being like, she used her over-explain... I love it. She's, like, over-talking, and I'm watching I'm watching the the monster, like, sitting there, like, trying to follow the whole thing. Says, and where's your time? Yeah. It's like... And then he was just like... I, I just clapped at that point. Oh, my God. And then his reaction was so good on the just... Oh, I get it. They <laughs> stop. <laughs> they keep existing after you take them off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, just, it was so wonderful. Um, they did get a contortionist for that scene too, right? When he flips himself oh, did over. They? Yeah, that was an actual person. <laughs> the special effects were really good, and I mean they weren't as as uh, money breaking as the the three D rendering of the ship itself from the outside, but they were they were actually what I would say where I would like to see the BBC at with its like tech and prowess at this point. Yeah. Like, Simple but effective. Working. Yeah, I, I think the Disney bucks, you know, were definitely seen in this episode. And yeah. Bad Wolf. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, media tech that went into this. Mm-hmm. But but at the same time, like while it was impressive, like a lot of time, um, you know, going up and down that corridor, which is like, <clears throat> but also like, what is more of a Doctor Who than going up and down corridors? Yeah. Like like that. Well, and yeah. some of the special effects were, with them with them getting larger also got a little bit hokey. Yeah, but that's, that's yeah, but that's. I think it was Doctor kind of Who. intentionally yes. perfectly hooky. No, yeah, but, it was. But at the same time, like, I, I felt a lot of times, like, when they were in the corridor, that, like, that is David Tennant and Catherine Tate standing in front of a green screen having a conversation mm-hmm. yeah, and acting I, about When they the also world. went down the hallway, you sort of saw the robot uh, kind of cutting in and out and asset swapping a lot and it was like is this like an unreal engine or something yeah it was like it, 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 i can't say that it wasn't well done but at the same time like i was very aware that it was cgi yeah. and 
and, and what was happening, and it, it kind of detracted, I think, a little bit from my focus. I think it didn't detract from mine because it felt more Doctor Who-y. Like, it didn't feel... Oh, like, the thing is, to me, is I like that part more, and it felt more Doctor Who to me, than the big 3D CGI, fully realized spaceship. Like, that one felt more... Um, I get that perspective. And, and so, but... But, I, it, felt, I, but it, was a, it was great. It I mean, was, I liked it was great. seeing it was, that. I know, I get it. I love seeing it, too. So what I, you're saying is that you expect Doctor Who to be crappy, and... No, I, I expect Gosh darn it, it's got to stick to the <laughs> Okay, as, the, as someone who deals with... There's a lot of artwork in my day. I like to see when you can feel that there's art work. Like, I mean, different... So 3D rendering is one set of art, and it takes a lot of production management and, and uh, rendering pipeline. But this right here was saying, what can we do quick and effective? And how can we make it look good? Like, there was parts where you would see some of the warping of the, the, the Doctor and Donna where they were, when they were getting larger, and they were consistent while they were warped. And that takes a lot of work, too. But it's simpler in another effect. So it's a mix of that... Where you're like, you can see the hand and the artwork working together. And I think that's something that BBC's actually always improved on constantly and forever. Uh, whereas going and saying, hey, Pixar, I'm not saying that's what they did. But let's, let's put this render pipeline. We have this huge server farm. We can render this whole ship and it'll look real. Is, is, a tol- is like, that's just throwing money to make it look good. Though with the with them draw, uh, dragging their hands and like <clears throat> the very first time yes. Donna had uh, that sort of arm go all the way out, a lot of that was actually practical. Yeah, and, and I like that they had. Yeah, it, it felt very intentional. Like yeah. that, that actually didn't. I, I thought was just a good effect for mm-hmm. the moment, and I, and it's hard for me to not marvel at these as, as good effects. But yeah, I, for whatever reason, and the prosthetics. Yeah. yeah. It just drew my attention more than, like, some of the scenes that definitely felt like they had true kind of structure, you know, and and scenery behind them. Now, I will also say that if you do get a chance, because this is Disney, they put all this time into recalibrating everything, this also works really well, great on an OLED, turned lights off, and therefore all the dark is Mm -hmm. actually fully black, like there's no light. Mm -hmm. So that's when you get these really great contrasts with yes. all of the with all of the blue lights and then getting very dark and it makes everything a lot more sh- lot stronger for those jump scares to really work. I did notice that the lighting going between the Donna and the Doctor <laughs> scene, one was very heavily blue and the other was very warm and honey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that was that was a pretty good disparity between the two and, mm-hmm. and I noticed that whenever drawing uh, the the two different rooms depending on which one Donna's in. I've noticed hers is like warmer colors and the doctor's always cooler colors, but when they all, all four of them came together, it was a sort of a green, mm-hmm. I feel like, so it's a sort of a mix between the two. It was wonderful nice. colors. By the way, this marks the seventh actor who has played the doctor to play the villainous or adversarial role ah. in Doctor Who because he nice joined. fact. Uh, David Tennant joins William Hartnell, Patrick Troughton, Tom Baker, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, and Matt Smith, who all played. Somewhat of an adversary, not to say all evil, but definitely um, adversarial. And um, what what's interesting is I think David Tennant probably, besides Peter Capaldi, is probably one of those actors that can <coughs> really do an extraordinarily evil character. You just look at Kilgrave from Jessica Jones. Oh. I don't think you ha- can get much more evil than that. And to, to be fair, 
I'm kind of glad that he finally did get his acting chops to put put forth. <laughs> Indeed. All right. On a different note, I'd like to say that it really bugged me at the end when <laughs> the doctor didn't pull both versions of Donna into the TARDIS and then decide which one was real. Like, yes. what? So, you are so right. Because that entire scene, I was just like, really, listen, every Donna fan here has been through a lot. We just felt relief last episode. We finally felt relief, and you're and you're trying to pull on that string again, Donna having to come this close to death. Maybe that was on purpose. I did not want it though. Yeah, well, they, they, had, they, they had already to. Did they that. were going for that vibe in this episode. They they were definitely trying to up the horror elements. Mm-hmm. You know, they they had to go there. Uh, and I well, I think it was effective because Catherine Tate's acting was superb during that scene. So you it really was, but it did, but it didn't make sense for the doctor to make that move. Yeah. Like, you know, I know I'm jumping TV shows here, but even the crew of the Red Dwarf figured that one out. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you're so 100% right. Like, for, for, again, for every Donna fan out there, we have, we have carried a stress for years that only got released last, at last week. And then for this entire... This week's episode to be yeah, like... This entire no. 45 seconds, our world was shattered. But you know what I'm saying? That was too much. We, it, it's just been like, please don't let this happen. Please don't let this be an error thing. No. And now, Jeremy, just imagine if it had been Clara. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done, bye. <laughs> that, that, you just killed our, our, our podcaster. Um, <laughs> Though I will say, when did the doctor install the bring up that that bridge lever? Well, he didn't. The TARDIS probably did that. He just happened to know that, oh, by the way, I've got this new, cool, handy-dandy, throw-somebody-out-of-the-TARDIS. <laughs> it's, it's a MacGuffin. We know. <laughs> they have them. Maybe the HADS has some more physical elements than just the itself, I guess. Well, it was necessary to get her out, I guess. Uh. Also, the doctor who always gives everyone a choice and uh, never carries a gun has transformed into the doctor who is totally cool with throwing someone out out of a ship into an explosion. Well, to be fair... It was a not thing. I mean, was it really a thing? I mean, it had mass. The problem is, is that I think he's getting rid of something that isn't something. No, I know. I'm just saying it shows it shows a difference between the 10th Doctor and the 14th Doctor. But if that Donna had gotten back to our universe, that could have been Yeah, but the the 10th Doctor would have, like, belabored the situation for, like, a stunning three-minute long monologue. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) Good point. Well, he didn't have time for that. He had to rescue Donna. Well, well, yeah, and, you know, and also it it is, like, because we are seeing differences, and also we're seeing growth in Donna. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely a lot of growth in Donna. Um, but and I, I think it kind of goes to show how brilliant she really is underneath all that. And there was that one beautiful scene where, where they talk about Donna not really uh, thinking she's smart, but the doctor knows that, oh, well, actually she does think she's smart from time to time, mm-hmm. which is true for most people. Mm-hmm. We all have that moment where we can think two things at the same time. Mm-hmm. I certainly do all the time. Yeah, I mean, like, personally, I'm, like, one of the smartest, most creative people that ever exists, but I'm also worthless 
No, you're not. You worthy. Worthy. You're not <laughs> no, I know. I'm not. I'm one of the smartest, most creative people. <laughs> the only thing that I was saying is that, like sometimes I'm just like an unforgivable, you know, unlovable person. No, never. <laughs> no, but I'm not. Uh, you, you know, I did really love how like the AI couldn't figure out how to do hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was pretty. That funny. was yeah, fun. Now, there's one scene that I need to make sure we do talk about before we get to rating this episode, and that is the very final scene, which is also the very final scene for a specific actor, otherwise known as Bernard Cribbins. That was absolutely his final scene. He will not be back in the next episode, just to make sure everybody knows that. Um, But this was his finale um, before he passed away. And how could we not have the the joy on David Tennant's face seeing Wilf just was so contagious. I could only imagine how everybody else felt when they just saw that scene. And then, of course, when Bernard Cribbins sees David Tennant. Yes, it was absolutely I, I had tears. I didn't expect to be I, I as we at this present time knew he had passed on. Yep. I didn't know that when this would all been recorded. And I'm like sitting there like, wait, what? You're you're in this. This was recorded this long ago. Yep. Yeah, it was a surprise. Very very heartfelt. You gotta love Wilf. One of my boys. It well, was, and he was ex- one of my favorite characters. He never he he was Wilf. I mean, maybe, Bernard maybe favorite acted just like he did back when he was on the show before. So, and this is just before he passed on. So you know he's kind of suffering from. A whole bunch of things going on. Okay. He's in a wheelchair. But I'm really kind of... So he's not going to be at all in the next episode? No, this was the only scene they were able to get. He was... They were planning on having him in the next episode. So, so that, that kind of begs the question, like, is there just going to be a big explosion and suddenly Wolf's dead? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to handle it. All I know is that this was the only scene that they could get filmed before, with, before he passed on. And... Um, it would be right for them to to not do something with his character at the end. It's possible that they could find I mean, like I, an I'm outtake. I'm sure they have some audio and some other you know footage of him. There might be something to you know have a few choice words that are enough to really weave things together. There there could be something that they throw together that or, or there's uh, there's all sorts of possibilities. I mean, you're going to have one of the most convoluted villains coming back for the next story so you never know what they could do to change things up i mean they could just be totally on a different planet for all we know um but all i know is that it's this was very heartfelt seeing uh bernard just for the last time and i it's quite amazing because bernard cribbins was actually in one of the doctor who movies back in the 1960s as um the doctor's companion so he was a companion to Peter Cushing and also to now uh, David Tennant. So I think that's kind of pretty cool. So he was sort of rolled into the TARDIS. So I'm guessing they were going to film a scene with his reaction to the, the, this TARDIS and probably be a David Tennant um, just, just sort of, I don't know, pushing him around the whole TARDIS. Maybe we'd have been able to see one of the corridors. Those doors, where do they lead? Well, if they did push him into the TARDIS and, and he did, and the wheelchair and Wilf actually made it in, then maybe we do actually see that happen. I don't know. Um, but from what I read... It, I mean, Disney's brought back a lot of Star Wars ghosts. Oh, yes. No, I know. There are a lot of Doctor Rumors out there. <laughs> 
we don't know what's going to happen. All I know is that if if Wilf's back, it's going to be probably very brief, and it's not going to be all that long. I mean, you can never have enough. I know. Bottom line. I mean, I I wish I wish Bernard Cribbins was still with us, and he could go on as well for the next couple seasons. But <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, I I would have been happy with the Doctor regenerating into into, into Wilf. Wilf like that. <laughs> like why this face, and then have another you know. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Six or seven adventures. Well, shall we rate this story? Yeah. What do you think, Michael? I don't know. What do you think, Jeremy? Oh, fine. Do this to me. We've done this so many times right now. This song and dance. I can go first. Wait, which Jeremy? He didn't know yeah, what to tell me. Me, Jeremy. Yeah. I can go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll go second. <laughs> I'll go third. But Siri will go uh, fourth, apparently. <laughs> uh, but, but, so, I, I guess from beginning to <clears throat> end, this felt better than uh, the last uh, special, for sure, for me. Um, the, although a part of that could be that a, a lot of the first special was shown and I sort of got like s- almost spoiled for most of the, the plot and, and whatnot. Um, but this one was sort of a, a mystery from the get-go and of course I had expectations of like canyons and stuff but the story itself sort of made up for that in the end and um, I mean, I really liked some of the, the concepts that they were going for with the, the characters that came from nothing, which is, at least in my opinion, something that calls to midnight and the entity that should not exist there, exists there. Um, and, and just all these sort of interesting concepts, and they, they come together in a, in a unique way, thematically, and, um, and I feel like it did address the flux in an interesting way. Although, admittedly, the Doctor felt more about the flux this time than at any time in the past. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, there's that. Um, But overall, if I had to give a rating, I would give it a bit higher than the last one at about an 8.1 out of 10. Alright, I will go next. I, um, disagreed. I, uh, I I didn't like the plot of this. I thought it was pretty mundane and straightforward and boring. Um, I did like the character development. I thought there were some really powerful scenes that the Doctor and Donna both did. But they also felt to some extent gratuitous because it was kind of like they created this sort of non-plot surrounding these non-entities that were the antagonists just to sort of create <coughs> little pockets where they could have these emotional scenes. Um, you know, it was a bit contrived. I, I mean, I did enjoy it a lot because there were really good scenes and there was some great Doctor and Donna magic in it. Um, but, you know, it was it was kind of blah. I, I didn't like it as much as the previous one. I thought uh, that, you know, it, there were a lot of elements to it that were really good and perhaps could have been fashioned into a really awesome story, but this was not that. Um but again, I didn't hate it. Uh, I'm going to give this one a 6 out of 10. Right. So for me, I, I mean, I love this. I, I love this type of Doctor Who story in the sense that this is Doctor Who being more what I'm used to, right? Um, it plays around with something like, and it took a simple concept, the darkness, er, the, the beyond, the emptiness of that, and, and given it a, a physical manifestation of fear, which... 
It's something we've had before. This is the angels, those statues. Remember when the joke used to be back in the day, what is Russell T. Davis going to make us scared of next time? Like, or what, what, what are we going to become scared of that we just didn't care about? Like the angel, you see angels. That, that, that wasn't Russell T. Davis, that was Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat, sorry. Sorry. Stephen Moffat, what was Stephen Both of them. Both of them. What were they going to make us scared of again, basically? Um, and, th- but this, but at least the thing is, is that it, it worked and it did a good job and there was a lot of good direction toward it, but there were also a lot of choi- creative choices that I didn't feel were necessary. Uh, specifically again, I, I was fine with her a lot of things until we got to like, and I know it's at the end, but leaving Donna out there just it soured the episode a lot for me there was a lot of elements I can accept I, I got over the idea that when in, when someone goes out into outer space to let themselves die they're going to be perfectly preserved they're not going to decompose whatsoever why is it, why is there only a skull laying out there like that mm-hmm. I let it go I didn't even bring it up during our conversation but um, but then all the details that kind of annoyed me I'm not a fan so much of the doctor, I, I know it's a thing, but the idea that the doctor is not a Gallifreyan per se is like one of the things I would like to see just be left off the the storyline flow. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was all Celestial Toymaker's mischief making the doctor Something think like that. that. I want that, but because it's like, it's, it's this whole thing that's been just, it was one of those elements I just did not want to think about. Um, but then you let Donna almost almost die, and then it's like I understand the doctor's not in tip top shape. He's made a lot of mistakes that would be not things that you you would expect. But it did rub me the wrong way. But overall, I had fun, and I did have a good amount of fun. So not as good as the previous episode. Not the worst thing I've ever seen. I've seen worse. I think we've all seen worse. I think we've all rated worse. But uh, a seven for me. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess I'll uh, I'll search forward here. I, I don't see you leaping to it, Michael. So I'll I'll let you go last. Um, <laughs> I hope you're okay with that. <clears throat> I hope you are. Um, but I feel like I need to be heard now. So, um, but you know, I, I, I calm yourself. <laughs> just, just relax. Breathe. Yes. But now, now that we're all relaxed, now that we're all relaxed, um, I think I can see like both perspectives developing here. Um, and I think I, I can see and, you know, under understand, you know, how you might look at this episode and think it was a crafted masterpiece, and you might look at it and think, meh, oh, okay. Because, um, honestly, in some senses, I had a little bit of both. Um, and really, on my first watch, I was less drawn in, less excited about it. On my second, I was like, you know, technically there are fewer fa- flaws here than I, I thought it, there would be. It's, it's a very tight episode. It's focused well. Um, you have two great actors that everybody loves, wants to reconnect with, and you let them shine on their own stage. Um, I think that was beautiful. I think there's a lot of beautiful budget that really sh- shone through in terms of the scenery, even if, for me, it detracted a little bit from the uh, um, storytelling between you know Catherine Tate and David Tennant. I, I think it felt like some one of a distraction. Um but I don't know, I, I feel like even though um, I, I really like a lot of the concepts and ideas that are gone into here, and I, I think it was done fairly well, there's something that just feels lacking that 
felt a little uninspired to me, although Wilf is always super inspiring. And, you know, it's a sad, wonderful, you know, cameo that, you know, to me, is better than every cameo and reference, you know, we could think of that could have been scattered in here. Um, but it, it, it still comes up short. Overall, I'm, I'm leaning more on that I actually enjoyed the first special um, more than this second one. I, I, I could see how that might be a rare impact. I know I think we're half and half right here at this table now, um, but here I think it's going to get a 7.5 out of 10 for me. Hmm. Well, interesting. Um, okay, can I say one more thing? You can say anything you okay. want. I, I think another thing that, you know, kind of encompasses some of this feeling for me is that I think it was intentionally set up to be, you know, another horror story. But for me, it wasn't so scary. I feel like it, it didn't accomplish the mission that it set out to be. Like, yeah. was it, or am I going to be scared of Weeping Angels? Am I going to be scared of myself now? Not, not, not to the same degree that, you know, I would something else. Well, I have to differ from you on that one because when I watched this, I did actually watch this in a very darkened room with a television that actually could pick up and with and and the sound was decent. So it I felt I think part of it again like I said is that the atmosphere of this story both direction-wise, musically and just uh with the acting that that we had from both David Tennant and Catherine Tate Put, put this in one of the best realized of all stories. Now, maybe the plot line may have faltered slightly, but in terms of it, how it looked and, and what, what came out of it, it just felt like this was super polished to me. And um, so I, I do appreciate that. And it kind of goes along, kind of how Colin was explaining, explaining before this kind of goes along the same lines as midnight and listen and some of those more out there episodes that everybody really enjoys um because you're dealing with a lot more of the the acting and the the i don't know there's just so much emphasis on the characters in this and i love good character pieces and this really does have the characterization that you need for that um there are minor flaws throughout that we've touched on, but I I really didn't see that the first time round and neither the second time round. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm actually going to give this a 9 out of 10 because I felt that this was a very strong story. Well, you're wrong. And there's our tiebreaker, though, so now we now it's a positive review overall. Well, I... I'm, I, I'm more... We're more just teasing. I felt like... I felt like it really just... It held its own. It, I, I was gripped by it the whole time. I never really lost that grip. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just... I, I, I wasn't. Like, I, there were a few scenes that I found to be gripping, like, mm-hmm. in a few parts of a few scenes. Then. Yeah, it, it took me a second pass to be like, wait, I, I should be gripped. Wait, this is a good concept. I actually, Like, well, wait, this, this works, and, and that, that actually makes more sense than I thought. I, for myself, was this more impressed with that fact that on a second viewing, I was still enjoying it, and I was just more trying to see what could I, what could I really see that was being set up. What 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 little hints are being set up for future things? 
And that's where I was able to find a secondary watching a second time to be enjoyable. Which is what, again, you want from an old Doctor Who episode. It's something where they, they lay some lines down, they try and bait you for some things, and they leave some bait just sitting there on the, on the line for later on. And, yeah. Again, but again, this is not going to be for everyone. And obviously it's not. Obviously. Have a good night, everybody. Thank and, you for listening. And they should let us know if they have any opinions of their own. <laughs> Maybe we will find out. Why are you talking about them in the third person? <laughs> what are you guys talking about? <laughs> uh, perfect for this episode. At any rate, have a good night, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye.